0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is running for sheriff in Prince George's County, Maryland, Mr. David Grogan. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Brother James. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's good to catch up with you. I, um, I saw your post on Instagram that you were running for sheriff, and being I'm a resident of PG County, I figured it would be great to talk to you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, I am. Um, I am very intentional
1: about ensuring that when I'm the next sheriff, that everyone knows exactly who I am. I'm very active on all forms of social media: Facebook, IG, Twitter, um, uh, LinkedIn, all of it. Intentional. Uh, next door because I think it's important that we know um, who our public safety officials are. You know, unfortunately, Brother James, many people have no idea. You can ask around anywhere around the country, really. Well, and in some of the larger areas, um, but certainly in the urban areas, the average person has no idea who the sheriff is. And that's troubling. There's no way you can hold a law enforcement official accountable if we don't even know who the person is. So I've been very intentional about that.
0: Okay, I'm going to be really honest right now. I have mm-hmm. no idea what a sheriff does. So can you please explain <laughs> what the
1: sheriff does? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and trust me, you know, no, most people don't. You know, it it, it, will, it will be like me, uh, you know, one, knowing about every, everybody tends to know their own lane, and and so if you're not if you're not involved in crime. Or you're not a public safety or criminal justice person, you wouldn't have any idea what what the sheriff is if you've never had any run-ins with law enforcement. So it, it, it's common, but I think that um, I think that to clear it up for, for for many people who have no idea what the sheriff is, first of all, the sheriff is the chief law enforcement officer for Prince George's County. The sheriff is the chief law enforcement officer for Prince George's County. The uh, the sheriff is elected by the, the, by the people, by you all. Now, the 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 people that actually execute the law enforcement work, they are deputy sheriffs. So there's one sheriff, and then everyone else below the sheriff is a deputy sheriff. Now, the deputy sheriffs, those are local government jobs, jobs with benefits to whole whole nine yards. However, the sheriff is elected by the people. In a nutshell, the sheriff is the law enforcement arm of the courts. And what I mean by the courts, um, the sheriff essentially executes or, or um, execute the orders of the court. So most people are familiar with warrants. People are familiar with evictions, civil process, protective orders, different things like that. All of those items are coming from the court, a judge. So the, the sheriff is a service to the court. It's a service to the courts. Now, the sheriff does have broad law enforcement authority. And sometimes there is no police department. The sheriff is the police. But in a large county like this, of course, we not only have a county police, but we have several municipal police departments here in Prince George's County. So the sheriff also has law enforcement authority. So the sheriff can be the police, but the police cannot be the sheriff uh, because the sheriffs have specific duties um, that operates out of the court, court security. Whenever you go to the courthouse, you will see deputy sheriffs, they're responsible for the security of the courthouse. So the, the, most people find it hard to believe when I, when, when I say that the sheriff's department is a service oriented, we're a service to the courts and serving wants is services, uh, serving process, service, serving eviction notice, services, serving process, uh, uh, protective orders. they're all services of the court. So sometimes when we get confused, you know, I know people say, you know, law enforcement, this law enforcement, that. But for the most part, the sheriff's Department do not uh, create cases. and you know what I mean by they're not the police, they are the ones who actually sort of fight crime on that level um, as far as creating cases. The sheriff's department role in fighting crime is critical because the sheriff's department is responsible for warrants. A lot of people who commit crimes and repeat offenders, are people who have outstanding warrants against them. And so if the Sheriff's Department focus on, if focus on crime and focus on those many individuals, uh, and, and if they have warrant, felony warrants issued on, that means the, the Sheriff's Department is not deciding whether the person committed a crime. This person has already been convicted of a crime, and they they either escaped from prison or they didn't come to court uh, for the court date. And so that is the sheriff's responsibility to bring those people in and get them off the streets. I hope that was helpful.
0: It was very helpful. <laughs> um because there's such responsibilities being a sheriff, what made you decide to run?
1: Um, So I am actually a retired United States Marshal. I started my career um, as a student at Bowie State. While I was at Bowie State, um, I actually played football. I was a full-time student. I played football, and I worked for the Department of Justice United States Marshal Service, and I worked vice versa with the United States Secret Service. So I started my career as a student, Um, and so the Marshal, the the, the Marshal Service run some, somewhat parallel to what the Sheriff's Department does. The marshal is the law enforcement arm of the federal courts. The sheriff is the law enforcement arm of the local court. And so I started my career in D.C. Superior Court. And then in D.C., because of because of its unique nature, D.C. has a superior court, which is actually the local court, almost like the D.C. Sheriff's Department, and then there's federal court, which happens to be right across the street. So I started my career uh, with um, with the Marshal Service. I started in Superior Court uh, and I ended as, as a supervisor in management in Superior Court. And all the functions that operate out of Superior Court are the semi- similar or the exact same functions of the sheriff. Evictions, overseeing evictions, overseeing warrants, and all the things that the sheriff has, um, has done. So when I retired in 2013, Um, I retired for a specific reason. I started having my concerns about the direction that law enforcement was going. And so I decided that, you know, I had done my time. We can retire at any age with 25 years of service. I started um, at 22 years old and I retired at 47 years old. And after I retired, I really got interested in politics. And I really learned a lot about the role that politics played. And that's why I can be quite candid, because when I describe not knowing who the sheriff is, not knowing who the senators were, my delegates, my school board, clerk of the court, Wills. I had no idea who these people were. I didn't know who any of my local elected officials were in 2012, prior to my retirement. I understood federal, federal politics. You know, I understood the, you know, the role of the federal, but I knew nothing about the local politics. And all politics is local. The things that affect our daily lives are local. And so that's when I decided that um, I wanted to come off the sidelines, and I bet others to come off the sidelines and get involved in the game. And that's when I first
0: ran for office in 2014. So did you retire with the mindset of running for office? Um, yeah, I um, right
1: around 2012, I started exploring the idea of running for sheriff, and I met with some consultants, and at the time. Um, I was somewhat told that it wasn't a good idea. The sheriff at the time, uh, he was was considered the incumbent. And it's very difficult to unseat people that are already in office. And so I decided that I would not run for sheriff um, in in that 2014 election. And I actually ran for state senate in District 23. And that process, um, that was an eye opening. That's when I really got my education about Prince George's County politics and got a really good understanding uh, about the conditions and about in Prince George's County because I got I got a chance to find out who the players were. I ran against a gentleman that I had never had no idea who he was um, but uh, I learned who he was quickly and I quickly learned that running for office in Prince George's County you're not running against an individual you're, you're actually running against a system. And if you're running against an incumbent you're running against a, an entire system, a team uh, and so that was an eye opener, and at that point, I realized that uh, as a former Marine, that this was not going to be a sprint. This is going to be a marathon to be able to prevail, and and in public in public service in Prince George's County. So I always say I started that marathon in 2014, first half, and I intend to cross the finish line in 2022.
0: Because you didn't win in 2014 were you, um, did it deter you a lot? I mean, clearly you kept going, but how much of a deterrent was it that you didn't win? Yeah, Yeah, that's a good
1: question. I, I, uh, James, I, I looked at that experience and I never felt like I didn't win. Let me just say it that way. Um, you know, one of my great mentors uh, Brother President Darren Swain has said one time that struck me he says sometimes you win and you don't actually win and sometimes you lose and you don't actually lose and so I never felt like a loss and, and that's simply because I learned so much you know I um, my grandmother was a professional educator and my mom was a scholar and so I was neither but I enjoyed learning and I learned so much and so I wasn't disappointed um at all because um overall i I felt like for a a first timer running for the first time i we did tremendously well um we really um we were going up against a very powerful self-made millionaire and we had very little to no money and we still got a good percentage of the vote and so that says a lot but that opened my eyes to to know that it's a process. It's just not going to happen the first time. Most people running for office do not get elected for the first time. And I knew that that was just the beginning for me. So I didn't feel
0: discouraged at all. What are some of the things you've done since 2014?
1: So since 2014, as I mentioned before, um, one of the eye-openers about running for office, for me personally, is that I quickly realized that on some levels, I'm I'm relatively popular in my, my world. We all have our own popularities within our own world. But because I'm from Prince George's County and I went to Oxon Hill and I'm a former Marine, I'm a former professional competitive bodybuilder, I used to run the largest bodybuilding physique show in the country at Bowie State. You know, I have, a and I used to host parties and I've always been a promoter in different businesses. So I have a very, very large network of people. But what I realized is that there's a difference between um, political people and I would say the general population. I'm popular with the general population, but I had no popularity at all in the political. My friends, were, they're not political. Um, they, I don't know if many of them are not even sure if they vote, but they they certainly, they were just like i am where they, they didn't they weren't engaged at all in in, in, in civic activities and so it was very difficult to get help it was very difficult to get support amongst friends and family because we tend to be so disconnected from that world and so i um i said that i needed to i needed political friends and so since 2014, I have been very intentional about gaining, getting involved and staying involved in civic activities. And so that's, that's one of the biggest things. And I belong to a number of organizations. I didn't necessarily get involved with the organizations for political reasons, um, but I have been involved and I continue to be involved. I've always been a civil and human rights a- activist and advocate. So I just, I sort of turned all my activism and act, activism and advocacy, I sort of I created sort of a political aspect of that. So out of those groups, there are were, there were people that are political, there are people non-political. And so I've just been really active in the community. I, I served two terms on the City of Bowie Education Committee, appointed to the Education Committee. Um, I work with Moms Demand Action. I work with the League of Women Voters. Uh, Black Women for Positive Change, uh, Marine Corps League. And so I, um, the Caucus of African-American Leaders. I just belong to a number. I call myself a a professional volunteer. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm a professional volunteer. So I work with a lot of of different organizations.
0: Because you grew up in PG County. Is that why you're so passionate about it?
1: Yes. Yes, sir, James. Oh,
0: yeah. I, 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 um.
1: I am a very prideful person and I, I, it hurts me to my heart as I started learning more about the politics of Prince George's County. And when you hear that we are the wealthiest blacks in the country, which makes us probably the wealthiest blacks in the world. And then I got to get an understanding of the politics and I look at the services, the schools, the taxes, and it just became so disheartening. Um, I, I think that we deserve better overall. And I'm from Glass Manor. So when I say I'm prideful, you you know always hear me refer back to Oxen Hill. I'm, we have a very strong alumni, very prideful, very prideful of, of growing up in Glass Manor. We are we have our own network. Some people say, you know, Glassman will go, Oxon Hill folk are like a cult almost, but no, we're just for prideful people. And so, and Bowie State, you know, we have a very, very strong, powerful alumni. And so, yes, I think that uh, my calling is to raise the 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 standards and expectations and the level of proficiency in Prince George's County. And that can only be done by getting involved in the politics and running for office.
0: You mentioned that we're um, the richest county in the country. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think we understand the power that we have? No, we don't.
1: And that's, uh, James, we don't. And that's one, of, that's one of the things that I have set out to do Um, We, and and let me just share this also, Um, you know, the state is big, um, but we have so much power that in order for candidates at the federal level, at the state level to win or do well in their races, they have to do well in Prince George's County. Mm -hmm. And so that makes, that in itself makes us a powerful force a powerful leveraging tool, but most of, unfortunately, so many of us are disconnected and then we don't even realize the power that we have. And so we stay on the sidelines. And, and I say, I, I was on the sidelines and didn't even realize I was on the sidelines and we don't get engaged. So one of the things things that I'm doing, or I've done is I have started an organization called Black Men Vote United. And, that is because, through, again, um, politics, there's a science to politics. And that's why there's a, a college um, um, college education or college major of uh, political science is because it's a science to it. And so the science basically studies who votes, who doesn't vote, what areas people vote in. And basically um, only the areas where there's a large voter population really get service because if they can pinpoint okay these people don't vote it's like we don't care and so black men is a population of people who statistically do not vote um at the levels of of other certainly we don't vote at the levels of black women and we don't vote at the levels of the general population and so that's why i created or i was one of the founders of black men vote united and that is designed to really help sound the alarm and to try to help educate us on the power that we have and, and to shift. You know, we, we, we realize our power in sports uh, and we do well uh, all over the world. We just, and in Prince George County, people don't realize that we are one of the, one of the number one recruited counties in the country mm-hmm. in, in sports in football, in and football and basketball. And so we know our power in sports. And we realize our power in sports, but I, I sometimes feel like that we have been relegated to sports to distract us from being involved in, 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 in equally, if not more, more important things like civic engagement. So, yes, I think we got to do a much better job of of, of educating all of us on, on the power that, that we possess.
0: I want to I want to kind of stay on this subject because you said you started. It's called Black Men Vote, correct? Black men vote united. Black united. men vote united. So during your studies, what have been some of the reasons you've found that black men don't vote? Yes. Um,
1: I have to take a look at myself and then ask, you know, I, I, I you know, sometimes you got to look at the world outside yourself. Now, now that I'm deeply entrenched in this world and I understand it, I have to look back at, so let's say in 2000 in 2010, back then, before I retired, before I got involved in wanting to run for office. And me not knowing, the fact that I didn't know who my local elected officials are, that's an indication that I probably didn't even vote in the local elections. Mm-hmm. I'm certain that I voted in the presidential election, but the fact that I didn't. so to answer your question, I think many years ago, and this is political, that They took civics out of our schools. And so because we don't learn anything about civics, we graduate from high school uh, almost clueless. And then as we get older, because we don't have any idea, then we're too prideful to admit that we don't know. And so that that keeps us away from actually voting because we don't understand even the basics. And so as a, as a candidate, you know, for, for a number of years now I've talked to people and I challenge any of you all ask, you know, ask, ask the average person in Prince George County, who the county council person is or, or who the sheriff is for that matter. And, and, and you'll find that, or oh, when is the election day, you know, what, you know, are you planning for the election day and anything like that. And we are totally disconnected. And, and so I think for black men, I think that we have been we have been bred to believe that sports and entertainment is our way towards success. And I don't think that we realize that, you know, it's just like we sort of control sports, certainly football and basketball and so many other sports, We could be controlling our future for our children and our kids. And, and we should have we should have the best of everything. We should never be talking about people putting knees on the necks of black men. You know, people should say, man, them guys coming out to vote, you know, we better make sure that they're taken care of. But right now, just the opposite happens. And then we also fall into the trap of thinking that we don't, that the votes don't matter. Oh, the system is this. That's, that's, they're conditioned us to think like that. You know, if the votes didn't matter, you know, people wouldn't, the enemy wouldn't be fighting so hard to keep us from voting. The vote does matter. And so that's the biggest thing that we just don't think it matters. We don't think that and we don't. And that's because we don't know. We don't understand the leveraging tube. Nobody's saying one vote is going to change in the election. It could. But the fact that you don't vote um, and then we don't vote in blocks that that, that changes lives. That means that You know, you're you're gonna be neglected. You're going to be overlooked. You're going to be mistreated. You're going to deal with severe discrimination and all of this kind of stuff because you've been rendered as someone who don't care. You know, as we look now, we look at, you know, all the attention black females are getting and, you know, we're gonna point black females to this. Black females take over everything. And, and and the underlying reason, one of the underlying, it ain't the main reason. The the main reason is a little bit deeper. But the main, the 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 surface reason is that they 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 have demonstrated that they come out in large blocks of votes. They vote. And so imagine if we did the same thing when there was there's this push. Oh, we want to make sure that we have a qualified uh, black male on the Supreme Court and all these different things that 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 women are getting. And so we just gotta we just gotta do different. I think. Okay.
0: You've mentioned, you've mentioned how important it is um, for people to get to know their candidates, know who they are. Um, And you also mentioned social media. You mentioned how you're on uh, Instagram and Twitter, things like that. So for you personally, how important is it to be engaging on social media? Very important.
1: You, you can't, let me just be clear. I'm 55 years old, so I'm out of, I would consider myself out of the social media era. I'm not a millennial <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> but if you, have, if you have a sense of consciousness and a genuine concern for young people, which I do, you have to be able to connect. My interest in social media is specifically to make sure I connect with the younger generation. I'm not going to be one of these people who feel like, oh, I don't want to, I don't be bothered with that. Well, how are you going to communicate with people? How are you going to communicate with with the leader, the future leaders? All the future leaders are on 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 all forms of social media, and that's why I take the time. I've taken the time to learn. Okay, how do we reach them because i want them to know i know a lot of young people don't believe in this system and they don't believe in in, and older people they don't believe in one of the things i just it's it's, it's shameful that i just don't think young people respect older people and then the question becomes have we earned the respect and have we done the things that we're we supposed to be doing mentoring see i've been mentoring young people My whole life because I had great mentors and I know the impact it had on me. So I've always had an interest in young people and I've always had an interest in making sure that I'm that role model. I'm that mentor. I'm that person to say, man, I remember when Dave Grogan came to speak at my school my elementary school, my middle school, my high school, college, came to my job and spoke. I remember when Dave helped me get this job. I remember when Dave gave me this opportunity. I remember when Dave broke and wrote letters of recommendation for me. Those are the kind of things that I pride myself on and I've always done my whole life. It has really nothing to do with running for office. And so I I am very passionate about making sure that I'm, I'm connected with the entire world,
0: not just my generation. You know, one thing I... I- this is kind of going backwards, but it's important. How long is a sheriff's term? Yes,
1: yeah, that's a great question. Now, the sheriff is a four-year term, and, and, and so, and, but it's, it's not term limited. What well, term limited means that some positions you can only do four or eight years. So the sheriff is elected every four years with no term limit. In other words, you can sit, as long as you can get elected every four years, you can sit in there for the rest of your life. Wow. So how
0: long have we had the
1: current sheriff? I'm going to take a guess at it. Um, he's been on probably about four terms. He's, Whoa. he's yeah, he's probably, and he's former, team. he's probably, if not early eighties, but late, late seventies, early eighties. That's his age. Yes, sir. Wow. And so, you know, to that point, um, I, you know, have nothing but respect for his name is Melvin high. That's He's a former Marine like myself. Um, but when I ran against him in 2018, I, I just be candid with you, I was just, I, I look at my generation and, and, I, and I wonder if the younger people think like I think. Like, I just think that that at that point, I wonder, when I reach 60s and 70s and 80s and all that, I want to make sure that I have mentored other people. Mm-hmm. I don't intend to sit in the sheriff's department until I'm 80 years old on my day one of the sheriff, when I'm elected, the first thing I'm going to start doing is working on making sure that I have a role and ensuring the next person, how do you get elected to office? How, I Make sure I begin looking at who's going to be the next sheriff. That's what I'm going to take pride in. I'm not going to take pride in sitting in some job, a law enforcement job and I'm 75 years old. That's just not, and I, and I think that you know, when we have this honest conversation that some people are, 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 you know, I call them uncomfortable conversation. I'm not, I don't have a problem with having uh, uncomfortable conversation. I think one of the disconnects is that there's a generation that that just didn't give back. You know, I don't want to be a part. I don't want the younger people below me to say that my generation didn't give back. We got what we got and we never. And so sometimes I feel like, you know, especially for black men, there's just not, there's not enough prominent black men giving back and mentoring and so i want to make sure and when, when i talk to young people when i help people I always tell them make sure that you are helping someone else you are entering someone else i strongly believe in each one teach one but i just think that that there's a there's a generation that i don't think they took the level of pride that i would have taken in making sure that they develop the next generation because that's what i'm going to do I, That's the, one of the main reasons why i want to get elected I want to show, and once I show other people how to do it, get us to understand the importance of getting involved. Then I will feel uh, I will feel satisfied, like I I lived the purposeful life.
0: I have to ask this question because I had no idea this man has been the sheriff. You said four terms. Yeah, he's um, yeah he got he got, so he
1: ran in two fourteen. He's been the sheriff. I want to since since um, he ran in two fourteen. Oh, he's probably been a sheriff since 2000 and probably either 2010, I would say. Yeah, because the sheriff before him name was Michael Jackson. Okay. And Michael Jackson is now... Michael Jackson was a two-term sheriff in eight years. And so, I yeah, he, so he's been a sheriff since 2010,
0: I would say. Yeah. Is it intimidating knowing that he's been a sheriff so long and that you have to overcome... Because let's be honest, <laughs> when, when most people go to the ballots, we look at the ballot, we see who's the incumbent and it's like, ah, I, I'm like, if you, if you're ba- basically, if you're okay with the way things are, you tend to just vote for the incumbent. Right. So he does that make you intimidated?
1: Well, he's, he's retiring this time. So it is an open seat.
0: Oh, it's
1: open. Okay. Um, okay, it's open. Yeah, and that's the reason why I've been one of the reasons. Well, I was aggressive when I ran against him last time. But to to your point, um, the, you know, I would tell anyone it's 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 I won't say it's impossible, but it's nearly impossible to unseat an incumbent for the reasons that you've outlined. Mm-hmm. Um, people go with familiarity, and in this game, and certainly in Prince George County, um, name recognition. Is probably 70% of getting elected. Yep. Uh, and so people they they vote for names that they recognize. And when you're the current sheriff, everything you said is is accurate. That's how the average person thinks. And that's what makes it very difficult
0: to, um, to to defeat them. Okay. I want you to leave the listeners with this. What does PG County look like with you as the sheriff? Absolutely,
1: first of all, when I'm the sheriff, uh, people are going to know me, they're going to trust me um they're going to trust my judgment. you're not going to have this strong push for this civic account- uh civic review boards and different things like that. I think we've gotten into you know we want to police the police you not know, simply because we don't trust the police, but the fact that I'm from the community. The people are going to know me. Most people are going to have met me. They're going to know my background. When we rebrand, because we have to rebrand law enforcement, and we're going to start right here in the community, and the sheriff's department is going to have uh, productive programs for our young people, cadet programs, internship programs, co-op programs, because community policing starts with, hiring in your community. I could never go to Boise, I, Boise, Idaho, Beaumont, Texas, and tell those people I want to be sheriff or I want to be the chief of police. They would think I was <laughs> i lost my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> because anyone knows that you have to have roots in your community. So I think that public safety is going to uh, never be an issue. Recruiting law enforcement is never going to be an issue. And we're going to have a sheriff's department. We're going to have a sheriff's department that we're proud of, that we trust. Trust me, when I'm your new sheriff, even solving crimes, my phone will be blowing off the hook. People want to help you. When you are a trusted law enforcement officer, people want to help. Because if there's somebody out there that's got a warrant on them, and they're, for whatever reason, they're dangerous, or they're committing crimes for whatever reason, they're going to be quick to want to call Dave and Look, man, let me help you. Let me tell you where Let me tell you where she is. And that's, that's that's a part of community policing. And when I'm your next sheriff, you're gonna see a very, you're gonna see community policing. You're gonna see sheriffs that are professionals. You're gonna see sheriffs in our schools on career days. Um, you're gonna see sheriffs at the churches uh, providing an oversight security, highways where there's traffic. You're gonna see us, you're gonna see the sheriff's department in a positive light. Therefore, when time comes, when there has to be things that need to be done that may seem aggressive, people are going to trust the judgment of the sheriff's department.
0: Hey, it's been an honor and pleasure talking with you. Um, I love the way you talk. I love hearing your plan for PG County. So I'm excited to see what you have. I'm excited to see what happens moving forward. I thank you, and I appreciate it, James. And, and if anyone wants to reach out to
1: me, I'm easy to find. I'm Dave Grogan at DaveGrogan.com. Like I said, I'm on all forms of social media. I, I'm, I'm very proud of how people want to debate or talk or ask questions, ask me anything in public. Um, I have no issue with that. You never have to worry about me. hiding. my number is 301-651-9178. My email address is Grogan's the Sheriff. So anyone that wants to uh, have a conversation with me would like for me to meet with your your HOAs or any groups, your church groups, I'm I'm more than happy to do that. I am going to be your community community candidate, your
0: unity candidate, your reform candidate, your social media, your social justice candidate. All right. Well, again, thank you, Mr. Grogan, for your time. And I really appreciate, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No problem. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lant. My Facebook is also conversations with Lant. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.